Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Thanks for joining us on this special Latin American Straight Talk series, featuring top ELA lawyers spanning the region from Mexico to Argentina, from Chile to Costa Rica, and all the countries in between. On the program, our guests are going to cover some of the most important labor and employment topics facing their jurisdictions today. So if your company's doing business in Latin America, be sure to listen in to the full series and get the whole picture. Joining us today on Latin America Straight Talk is Michelle Aviles, an associate at BLP in Nicaragua. Thank you, Peter. And thank you all for your attendance to this event. I will briefly talk to you about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in labor matters in Nicaragua. First of all, it is important to state that in Nicaragua, there have been no mandatory quarantine or any sort of governmental mandatory health measures or protocols. So companies and individuals have continued doing business and working, basically implementing self-protection measures. Therefore, besides economic factors affecting the income of companies, the biggest impact the pandemic has had on labor matters is directly linked to the decisions employers have had to make in order to stay in business. Some of the measures that employers have taken to cope with the effects of the pandemic on its activity have been work shifts and salary reductions, even though there are restrictions regarding the latter. That is, salary reductions, it could be considered to go against prohibitive legal provisions and jurisprudence is not clear on the matter, which makes it an unadvisable option. Others have resorted to dismissals with all the compensation payments that it entails, total or partial suspensions of employees' contracts, whether individual or collective suspensions, or sending their employees on vacation to reduce the accumulated vacation days. And sadly, some companies have even had to resort to either temporary or permanent closing of the companies. Of course, in addition to these measures, there has been an impact on the way that the actual work is carried out. We are talking, of course, about the rising popularity of remote work. In Nicaragua, regulation on the matter is scarce, as the Labor Code provides some basic guidelines for remote work, which, although perhaps not adjusted to the current demands due to both technological and health reasons, it is the sole frame of reference that we have. Those guidelines include the right of the worker to choose the workplace on the account of one or more employers, the use of their own materials, or the employers, the salary may be agreed upon at piecework or for 15-day periods or lesser, but Well, such provisions are more related to those of workshops or artisanal activities that are established and performed at households in favor of those contracting them. So this sole frame of reference that we have is not so useful in the current conditions. Prior to the pandemic, remote work as we know it now was not a usual method in labor relationships in Nicaragua, but employers have been pushed to seek alternatives allowing the companies to continue functioning without putting employees at risk. Of course, it's important that in any event, employers and employees agree on the terms and conditions that will govern this work scheme according to the particular needs of each company and the goals, purposes, and responsibilities of the job position. Given that the work from home is being implemented 
in most cases during an ongoing labor relationship, then the previous agreements between the employers and the employees, including the labor contracts, it could be necessary to significantly modify them, especially in aspects regarding the workplace, the form in which the work will be carried out, employees reporting duties, control, supervision, and measurements of work efficiency and results, among others. Being recommendable that these changes may be agreed upon in a written form or as an amendment or addenda to the pre-existing labor contracts, taking into account that certain fundamental aspects in the labor relationship and benefits that can be considered as employees acquired labor rights cannot be affected due to the change to the work from home alternative. Also, it is possible to, for employers to terminate the current labor relationship with the employee, pay the corresponding compensation, and then enter into a new arrangement adjusted to the work from home. The increased use of technology as internet and the digital platforms offered, such as video calls, work groups, etc., has enabled a permanent communication at all levels in companies. So a well-structured work from home should not entail, per se, a distancing additional to the physical distancing, but internet access is not as common or not as a general thing in this country. And also there is the issue of maintenance of personal computers and other devices, energy consumption at home, technical training for employees that are not maybe used to working with some technological tools. And all of these matters should be considered before the work from home scheme is implemented, taking into account the particular conditions and situation of each employee and including it in the contracts. And for new hires, new employees that will start the relationship under the remote work scheme, it is our recommendation, our advice that all of these aforementioned aspects are agreed upon since the very beginning of the relationship and have them addressed in the respective contract. Now, well, it is accurate to say that the remote work scheme might not be an option for some industries in which it is important for employees to work on site, such as construction, tourism, transportation, and others. And in this case, the employer's efforts are more focused on the increase of health measures in the workplace like wearing masks and giving self-protection equipment for personnel at certain areas. But there is also the case of some workplaces which have tried to implement the remote work scheme at some, for some time, but realized that it does not work for them due to either the reality of the needs of the business or the reality of the technology currently available to the company and employees, and thus have decided to return to the workplace. As previously stated, there are no governmental mandatory health measures in Nicaragua, and it does not seem likely that they will be issued anytime soon. So there's also the issue of vaccination. Vaccination rates in the country are still low. They're growing slowly, and a great percentage of the population on working age are not eligible for vaccination yet, those under 45 years of age. So it would not be realistic for employers to demand employees to get vaccinated prior to returning to the office, as for most of them, it is materially impossible to get vaccinated without 
leaving the country to get vaccinated abroad. So in conclusion, creative solutions have been found within the general legal framework, even if it's not as suitable for the situation, such as the working from home alternative, which even though the lack of a special regulation of it, the adjustments of contracts and work relationships mutually agreed by employers and employees have resulted for some companies in a technological upgrade a more qualified workforce, and a better use of resources and efficiency. So now I'm going to hand it back to Peter. Thanks, Michelle. If you'd like to connect with Michelle Aviles, please contact her using the information in the notes of this podcast. Also, be sure to bookmark our website, ela.law, where you can register to gain access to our on-demand library of podcasts and webinars, as well as join upcoming briefings and events, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.